Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Well, good morning, Riverside family, and to anyone else who is watching this uh, with us. This is the first of our online sermons, and you're just all really welcome. Simon and I want to send our love to each and every one of you, and just hope that you're looking after yourself and you're staying well. We really are in unprecedented times, but we know that God is our strength and we trust him, so we want you to lean into him, even though things are really difficult. Please do contact us if you or anyone you know needs some help and we will do our very best to respond. So, today is the final talk in our Go series. We've looked at going low, as Jesus did, serving people in love and humility. We've looked at being a sent people and going to those who are near and who are far. And we've talked about making disciples and what that means, not just converts. And we've talked about going to bring new life to people. And this is the passage that we've been focusing on. I'm going to read it to remind us. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. I think that uh, the Great Commission of Jesus is really massive. I mean, Jesus was asking us to be his hands and feet on the earth, to love the lost, to be Jesus to a hurting world, to tell our friends and family about God's love for them, to forgive and be gracious to those around us, to go the extra mile, to make disciples, to walk with people through life and to pour ourselves out for him. I mean, how can we do that? That seems like really too difficult. It's like, you trust me to do all of that, God, on my own? Really? And if we just focus on that, it can become quite overwhelming of what Jesus was asking us to do. And it makes us feel like we just can't do it. But today, I want to focus on the last line of that passage, which gives us renewed hope and confidence that we can do it and that what Jesus asks asks of us is absolutely possible if we trust him. So the last line says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And that's quite apt as we think about the current circumstances that we're in. The message version says, I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day. So as the disciples heard these words, they wouldn't have fully understood what Jesus meant. They would have been puzzled. Was Jesus going to be with them physically forever? How was he going to be with them always? Now we know that those words were fulfilled um, in Acts 2 when God sent the Holy Spirit to be amongst them and he empowered them. And this incredible thing is, that God has chosen to continue Jesus' life in us through his Holy Spirit and through giving us that presence and that power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that lives in each one of us now, and that's an incredible thing to hold on to and remember 
This is our comfort and our strength and our power and our faith and our everything. It's like God's personal presence in us is the breath in our lungs. And those words of Jesus are incredibly important for us because knowing that God is always with us changes everything. Well, I say it changes everything, and it does, but it only changes things for us if we choose to believe it and live with that promise as if it is real and true. To make that the foundation of our lives and to hold on to it above everything else. You see, if we really know that God loves us, and he didn't leave us to be on our own, that he's with us always, then it will change the way we live and the choices we make and whether we live in fear or whether we live in hope. will also change the way we relate to others. When I was 17, I arranged to go and see my friend in Ohio. Now, I'd never been on a plane before, so it's quite a big deal. I was going on my own. Um, I was with Simon at the time. We were going out with each other, and I remember he... He said goodbye to me as I went through the gate and to a place where he could no longer go. And obviously I was going off to fly to Ohio and he went back to do whatever he was going to do for the next few weeks. <clears throat> but just before we boarded and we went through, uh, there was something on the tannoy came over which said that our flight was delayed due to technical problems. And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, so we waited and I was on my own, remember. Um, and then that delay turned into us having to go to a hotel that night. And then that then turned into a 48 hour delay. Now there were no mobile phones in those days. There was nothing I could go on um, and Google what was going on. Uh, just, I was cut off from my family. I couldn't ring my parents, they were on holiday. And so I did really feel um, on my own. Except even at the age of 17, I had a strong faith and I absolutely knew that although I was physically on my own with no real support apart from fellow passengers who were being nice, I did have Jesus with me and I think I clung to that and it got me through. We ended up having to book with a completely different airline because um, the technical fault didn't get resolved which is a good job I didn't fly on it um, and obviously I got there and everything was fine. And God didn't leave me then and he's never left me since then. Don't get me wrong, sometimes I felt like he has. But in those times, it's either me that's um, closed my eyes maybe, loosed his hand or walked in another direction. It's never been him. And when I open my eyes and I hold out my hand or I turn around, guess what? I can see him. He's exactly where I left him. And in these troubled and uncertain times, we all need to remember to do those things, to keep our eyes on Jesus, to hold his hand tightly and to um, stay with him. We're not going through this crisis on our own. He has promised to be with us and he is with us. And knowing this rich truth will enable us to live three things, confident lives, connect, contented lives and connected lives. Jesus knew that his commission to the disciples would potentially create fear in them, fear of the unknown, fear of persecution, fear of what was going to happen next to them, fear of not being able to deliver on what Jesus was saying. He knew that, that what he was saying would create a reaction in them. And I think that's why he ended that Great Commission and those words. Obviously, he didn't call it the Great Commission. 
um, why he ended it with, but do not fear, I will be with you always. I'll be with you day after day after day, because he knew they would be thinking, what, you're asking this of us? And throughout the Bible, God gives us this encouragement, doesn't he? To Joshua, the leader of the Israelite people, he said, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. God tells Joshua that he's not facing the challenge of leading people into an unknown territory on his own, that God will be with him wherever he goes. Because of this, he can be strong and courageous. He doesn't need to be afraid or discouraged. And that is amazing, again, in these times. I'm really glad that God's with Simon and I as we have to make some big decisions of how to lead people into unknown territory right now. Because God is still saying all of that to us today. And aside from coronavirus, there is so much in the world right now that could make us feel anxious and discouraged and afraid of what's in our future. Terrorism, the economy, global warming and what we're doing to our planet that will affect future generations. And being a follower of Jesus doesn't immune us from the world's problems. We don't get taken out of things to live some kind of a protected life. We are right in it with everyone else. And I guess that's what we're all feeling right now. However, we do have a promise from God that he's with us wherever we go and whatever we do. We're never alone. And all we need to do is remind ourselves of this all of the time. So are you a confident person in life? Have a think. What is your confidence level right now? On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being no confidence and 10 being feeling quite confident. Just have a think about that. I'm sure that there'll actually be every school represented amongst those who are listening. And maybe you even have different levels of confidence depending on which area of your life that you're looking at. But let me ask you this fundamental question. Where does your confidence actually come from? Are you feeling confident today because... You've got a, a job and a roof over your head and food in your cupboards or the means for all of that, even in this current climate. Or have you got the latest gadgets? Have you got nice clothes in the wardrobe? Does that bring you confidence? Or is your confidence based on what qualifications you've got? Does that make you feel good? Or is your confidence based around what you look like? Or should I say what others think you look like with that filter on? Are we confident people because of the amount of likes we get on Instagram or Facebook? We will all look to things and circumstances for our confidence, but we need to remember that God is our hope and our confidence. And that must, that must be the thing that those around us see. And our confidence has to rest in Christ alone and not in any of that stuff that I've just talked about. Knowing that God will be with us always should help us live lives of courage and not fear, confident in God's promises, confidence that he's with us in every single circumstance of our lives. See, the people around us are crying out for something different, a different way of doing things. Without Jesus in the world, what can give us confidence? We can't look to world leaders, really. They don't really have the answers. We can read books, but there's limited answers in those. And we can search on Google for all the answers. But ultimately, that's not enough. 
So who can people look to? Well, they can look to Jesus in each one of us. They can see that we have a God that gives us a hope and a future and a different kind of confidence than that thing that we can feel and touch. A confidence in a God who is bigger than anything going on in the world, and that includes coronavirus. But more than that, our confidence is in a bigger story, the story of Jesus, and the end is written by God and he is in control. That is our amazing confidence. When Jesus was about to leave his disciples, he said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The word trouble here means pressure. Just living in this imperfect world will exert its pressure on each one of us. You will feel weighted down. And I'm sure we're all feeling some of that right now with whatever we're dealing with. But Jesus says, have courage because I have overcome the world and all its pressures and all the weights that are bearing down upon you. We said before that Jesus doesn't give an escape from the world, but he gives us the tools and the means to live courageous lives. The opportunity we have right now is incredible and amazing. As the people around us are fearful and are anxious about the future, wouldn't it be great if we, as followers of Jesus, stepped into that and offered them hope in something else? A practical way you can do this at the moment is to maybe take some letters around to your neighbours and put them through the doors of the people in your road that you maybe have never met before. Just saying hi, introducing yourself and saying you are there to help them. Who knows the conversations that will happen and the trust that will build up between people that have never spoken before? Be listening to the Holy Spirit when he nudges you and encourages you to speak out or reach out to somebody. The, Min the Vineyard Movement said this last week, coronavirus is a pandemic with no precedent in modern times. And although the church may have to function differently for a time, the mission of the church remains unchanged. The tools and environments may differ to our usual methods, but we must continue to care for the vulnerable, share the message of Jesus, and be a light on a hill in this ever-changing situation. We have an opportunity for the world to see how the church walks differently. Because of the hope we have in Jesus, we have courage because his perfect love casts out fear. The world needs hope, it needs courage, and it needs Jesus. So let's really take hold of a new kind of confidence today and especially in these times, so that we might be able to point people to a different life. So the next thing I said that it could give us is contented lives. Because God is always with us, we can live contented lives. Now, contentment, or the state of being content, is about peaceful satisfaction, and I really love that definition. It involves appreciating what you have, and where you, where you are in life, rather than wishing for those things that you don't have. So again, thinking on a scale of 1 to 10, right now, 1 being discontent and 10 being really content. How content are you overall with your life? Think about that for a moment. And again, there'll be probably all the numbers represented from 1 to 10, depending on which part of your life you may be thinking about. But overall, what is your sense of contentment? 
I think contentment is an elusive quality today. Much of the business world works hard to breed discontent in all of us so that we'll buy products and keep the economy vibrant, although they're probably struggling right now. You see, if an advert tells us that something is new and improved, what do we feel? We feel that we need to have it. And unless we do go and buy it, we're not going to be happy. We want to have the very best and not second best. In his book, Captivology, Ben Parr talks about the psychology of grabbing our attention. He says, first, you need to elicit a reaction by being distinctive or disruptive. Once you have your audience's immediate attention, you need something unique, novel and useful to keep their working memory focused on your message. There is a strategy. Our contentment is being hijacked by a culture that is determined to grab and hold our attention. And this distraction leads to disillusionment, as we're now shown something new that we need to have. It disrupts our lives. And this creates a desire for something, as we're pulled out of our lives into something that we didn't even know we wanted, into envying something that someone else has got, or envying their own life. Every phone or console or gadget is always the best they've ever made. And we usually get it, don't we? They say it's the best. That is until they bring out an upgraded model and then it's not the best. And that leaves us feeling, oh, we need the best. We need to go and buy that in order to be happy, in order to feel that contentment. There are so many competitions on the TV, aren't there? All the time, if you actually watch live TV, there are competition after competition where they're promising you cars and thousands of pounds and holidays because they're feeding into that um, notion that you're not really content but if you have all of those things if you just enter and you manage to win you will be so happy you will have everything we're constantly bombarded with promotions and adverts for this happy life and it makes us yearn for more than we have and it's really difficult to be content in a society that thrives on our discontentment. And it's not just about the stuff that we have. One of the fundamental barriers to our social well-being is comparison. It's hard to be happy, happy if we are constantly looking to the left and the right, seeing how we measure up to those around us. When we get a sense of worth based on how we are doing, relative to others, we place our happiness in a variable that is completely beyond our control. Within moments of logging onto social media and we scroll through, we have instant access to other people's accomplishments, other people's food that they're eating, their job promotions, their accomplishments, their, their home upgrades. It's all there for us to see. And it's nearly impossible not to get, into, get swept into that cycle of comparison. Scrolling through the highlight reels of our friends' lives seems to make us fill with envy for things that we didn't even know we wanted before we were looking at it. We're subliminally told as well that our bodies aren't the right shape, that we're not good enough. The clothes we wear aren't designer enough. We need to upgrade ourselves all the time. And the truth is, we do believe a lot of it. I know I do. For women in particular, although by no means is it exclusive to women, social media comparison is killing us. It robs us of contentment and peace and joy and satisfaction while promising us that we can just look like this 
then we'll feel okay. And if we're honest, we know that it doesn't bring contentment, but it's so enticing and it's so believable. And then we tell ourselves that if we climb the ladder of success and we get that promotion, then we'll feel happy. So we strive and strive and work harder to get up the ladder. Now, there's nothing wrong in that, but it should not be our goal in order to feel content. There has to be more. Even our marriages, we feel that our spouses aren't enough, so we start looking around to see if we can do better. But being content means being satisfied where you are right now with what you have. Not envying what others have got, but being peacefully satisfied with what we have right now. So I've painted a pretty bleak picture. So is it even possible for us to be content? There's an interesting verse in the book of Hebrews that seems to bring two unrelated things together. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, it says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The writer tells us that we can be content with the level of resources we have because God will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And God's promise to never leave us means that we can trust in his ability to provide for us, to give us what we need. And I think it's an encouragement to us to step away from the grind of getting more, of achieving more, to trust in a God who will provide everything that we need. When we're discontent with what we have, we're telling God that what is provided for us just isn't enough. We're telling him that we don't trust him, we don't trust him to give us what we need, and then it can lead to discontent with our situation, but also with God himself. What is it that we truly need? That is a difficult and perhaps painful question to ask ourselves. And again, in these times, what is it that we need in order to cope? Everything's being stripped back. So I think we're probably having to answer these questions, whether we like it or not. The Lord's Prayer, give us today our daily bread, means give me enough. And we need to practice asking God to give us just enough of what we need not just what we want. How amazing is it that our God is able to provide deep contentment for each one of us when we choose to trust him. It's there for the taking. And yet so often I think we just don't remember that. He promises to be by our side in all things. I would also like to offer up another definition of contentment. I think deep contentment comes by knowing that God has a plan for your life and having a conviction to live by it. Believing that God's plan and his peace is greater than the world's problems. Knowing that God has a plan for us means we stay in our own lane with total confidence. We run our race. We don't look to the left or the right. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We stop the comparison and we run our own race. Simon and I, my lives have um, not been a straight path, and I'm sure yours haven't either. We've had so many twists and turns along the way, and I would never have written this into our own story. Becoming pastors was not our plan when we got married, or planting a church, or going back to help lead the one we'd left four years previously, or leaving our friends and family 
uh, to move 200 miles away to Whitstable to come to Riverside. And it has been a bumpy road along the way. And sometimes it has felt like God has been far away, I'll be honest. But every time I've recentered myself around the person of Jesus and stopped looking around and comparing and thinking about what I haven't got, and I've just got on with it, running in my own lane, contentment did come and peace came. And I'm really glad that God wrote our story and continues to write our story. And we do trust him for that. He's doing a far better job than we could ever have done. And the last thing that I think um, believing that God will never leave us will give us is a connected lives. Our God is a God who lives in a triune community with Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. God did not make us to live life on our own. He made us for community and relationship. It says in the book of Romans, for none of us lives for ourselves alone. Our lives are meant to be lived for more than just us. We aren't made just to live for ourselves alone. We are made to connect with and serve one another. And the key to this is knowing our connection to Father God and abiding in that. This love turns us around and changes our selfish attitudes. In Matthew chapter 22, an expert of the law posed this question to Jesus. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. So relationship with God is number one. But Jesus didn't stop there. He went on to say, <clears throat> and the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. There we have a foundation for all we do. Love the Lord our God and love our neighbour. Love others as well as you love yourself is the way the second greatest commandment reads in the message. Love others as well as you love yourself. And the list of synonyms for love includes feel affection for, be devoted to and care for. So loving others is so key for us as a people. Unity and community within the church is so special. And Riverside is so good at that. We are such a caring family. You are all a caring family who looks out and supports one another. It says in the Bible that we are all a body and each has a part to play. Each of us just as important as the other. When we can look at each other and value one another's gifts, prefer one another, serve each other and be family, then it really pleases God. Then out of that community inside the church flows a love for others that is, means our joy is to go to others. It's our absolute privilege because we've done it inside. We have this amazing unity and community that we want to go to others and share that, to be connected to others, to tell them about Jesus, to serve the poor and the marginalised in our society. Those who don't know Jesus, those who maybe aren't like us, those who make us feel a bit uncomfortable. It's our joy to bring people into the family of God, to introduce them to the person of Jesus. And living connected to others is an echo of God's command for us to love one another as he loves us. It's a call to action. It's what we are meant to be doing. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day. So we can live confident lives, contented lives and connected lives. 
And it's from this foundation of being with God at all times, every day, having him right by our side, in us and through us, that we can go to others. I love this passage in Ephesians, in Ephesians 2, um, 17 to 19. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. As we said a few weeks ago, God is creating his family, his household with every, from every ethnos on the planet, those who are near and those who are far. All are welcome and all are invited. And what I love about this passage is that when it says Jesus preaches peace to those far away and those who are near, the word means announcement. He announced the good news. Jesus is good news for everyone, for you and for me and for everyone living out there too. This is the essence of the gospel. The good news is that everyone can know Jesus and be filled with his spirit and be brought into that amazing new life. And wherever a follower of Jesus is, wherever we are, then this message is being broadcast through our lives. Isn't that amazing? What a glorious opportunity we have right now to go and be Jesus to everyone. People are asking questions like they've never asked before. People are feeling fragile and they are asking, where is my hope coming from? People need hope and we have hope. Jesus is speaking through you and me a message of peace and hope in this time. And we can never do this on our own. And I don't think we want to, do we? And the great news is we don't have to. The spirit of Jesus is right here with us. And that's his promise to us today. He is together with us and we go together with him. And through us being together, we are bringing people to himself. No longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So to sum up, because God is with us, we can be confident in who we are in Christ. Not living lives of fear, but looking to God in all things. Because God is with us, we can be content in all things and have a peaceful satisfaction with where we are right now. We can forget about comparison Stop looking to the left and the right and be happy with the race that we are called to run. Because we are content in him, we can tell a different story with confidence. We are partnering with Jesus, who is already preaching peace to everyone. And he desires to use us to show others of his love. And what, a, what better time do we have than right now to do that? In Psalm 68, verse 8, it says, God sets the lonely in families. And what a privilege it is that he, has, he asks us to welcome people to come into his family, to connect them with the living God. We are never alone. We don't go alone. We go together and we go with God. So let's be asking God for opportunities in this time to reach out and help people to come alongside them and love them in a way that they've never been loved before god is waiting for us to join him let's pray 
Heavenly Father, thank you that you love us so unconditionally that you sent Jesus to earth to die for us. We thank you that he, has, he was not defeated on the cross and that he rose again. Thank you, God, for leaving us with the Holy Spirit and promising to be with us always. Lord, we are privileged to partner with you. Help us to know that we can go to others in full confidence, that you go before us and you will never leave us. May our lives make a difference to those around us. We pray that people will find love and community and will give their lives to following you. Amen. We love you all. Please stay safe, stay connected to each other, to God. Reach out to those around you. But um, yes, yeah, stay well. God bless. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.